Welcome to In Case You Mythed It, the podcast about the myths of the world that you probably didn't hear about in school. Today, we continue the cycle of the thoroughly unfortunate descendants of Cadmus, starting with his son, Polydorus. As it has been a few weeks since the last episode, I think we should recap. Previously, on In Case You Mythed It. Cadmus founded the city of Thebes, and married a goddess. They had several daughters, one of whom had an affair with Zeus, resulting in the birth of the god Dionysus. When Dionysus returned to Thebes, he found that it was not partying as much as he would like, so he had the women of the town go into a Bacchic frenzy, while he went to deal with the regent Pentheus, the son of one of Cadmus's other daughters. Pentheus refused to acknowledge the divinity of Dionysus, so Dionysus had him ripped apart by his own mother and her sisters, after which everybody acknowledged Dionysus. With that out of the way, it's time to talk about the next kings of Thebes. Polydorus was the youngest of Cadmus and Harmonius' children, and the only son. When Cadmus abdicated his throne, Pentheus became regent, as Polydorus was not yet an adult. Now, with Pentheus having been made into a head on a stick by his own mother, and Polydorus finally old enough to rule, he became king. His reign was, by all accounts, not as exciting or cursed as his cousins had been. He married Nycteus, daughter of Nycteos, real original name there, and they had a son called Labdacus. Before Labdacus could grow up and be eligible for inheritance, however, Polydorus died. Goodbye, Polydorus, we literally did not know you. So his father-in-law, Nycteus, took over as regent until Labdacus was old enough to rule. Contrary to the pattern you may be expecting, Nycteus ruled well enough and was replaced by his brother, Lycos. When he died, possibly by suicide, we'll get to that later. Lycos then stepped aside when the boy reached adulthood. However, Labdacus' rule was short-lived, as a border dispute with neighboring Athens resulted in a war which Thebes lost, and Labdacus died soon after, leaving Lycos in charge once more, while the next heir, Laius, was growing up. However, the political situation of Thebes was, frankly, bad, and a forgotten incident came back to haunt everybody. You see, several years earlier, there was a young woman or girl in Thebes by the name of Antiope. Some say she was another daughter of Nycteus, others that she was from another part of Greece altogether. Homer, at least, believed that she was firmly from Thebes. Regardless of her parentage, Zeus took a liking to her beauty, here we go again, and, in the form of a lusty satyr, took her by force. Antiope, realizing how she would be blamed for this turn of events, ran away to the land of Sicyon, where she married the king Epopeus. Nycteus died around this time, possibly due to being disgraced by what happened to Antiope. Lycos then made war on Sicyon, eventually bringing Antiope back to Thebes. On the way home, Antiope gave birth to twin boys named Amphion and Zethos on Mount Cithiron. Amphion was the son of Zeus, while Zethos was the son of Epopeus. The boys were left to be exposed on the mountain, which means left there to die. However, as often happens in Greek mythology, Amphion and Zephos were found by a kindly shepherd who raised them as his own. Antiope did not know this, and was taken back to Thebes by Lycos, who gave her as a servant to his wife, Queen Dirke. Dirke hated Antiope, and abused and tormented her for many years, until Antiope escaped, running away toward Mount Cithiron. She sought refuge in a house inhabited by an old shepherd and his adult twin sons. The sons, of course, were Amphion and Zethos, and Antiope recognized them somehow. They, however, did not recognize her. Queen Dirke then arrived, having followed the fleeing Antiope. 
she ordered the twins to kill Antiope, though the shepherd intervened, informing them that she was, in fact, their mother. Amphion and Xanthos then killed Dirke instead, before going off to conquer the city of Thebes. Antiope, for her part, did not join her sons. Dirke, you see, was a worshipper of Dionysus, who cursed Antiope to wander Greece in a restless madness as retribution. She would eventually be found, helped, and married by Phokis, originally of Corinth, but now the namesake of the land of Phokis. Meanwhile, Amphion and Zethos descended upon Thebes, which brings us back to the main story. Lycus, still the regent, was killed by the twins as vengeance for the mistreatment of their mother by his wife. Meanwhile, the young heir Laius was helped to escape by some Thebans who were loyal to the house of Cadmus. While serving as dual kings of Thebes, Amphion and Zethus proved to be, evidently, fairly decent rulers. Amphion took to singing and lyre-playing, supposedly having been taught to do so by his lover and, I guess, half-brother, Hermes. He also married Niobe, the daughter of Tantalus, and let's just say that she has a story about her, and it does not end well for anybody, but I'll get to it at a later date. Zethos, meanwhile, was more outdoorsy, and spent his time breeding cattle, hunting, and generally being outside. He also married a woman, and likewise would end up with a rather tragic fate, but I won't go into it here. The great achievement of the brothers during their co-rulership of Thebes was that they built the great walls around the city. According to one version of the story, they did this through the music of Amphion, whose lyre-playing caused great stones to float around and assemble into the walls. Notably, the walls of Thebes had seven gates. That will be an important detail at a later date. They also are said to have named the city Thebes, which contradicts the Cadmus story, but that's mythology for you. When Amphion and Zethos both met their ends, it is said that they were buried together in one grave. Hello listeners. Sorry to interrupt, but I just wanted to let you know that this show has a Patreon through which you can give the show financial support. For as low as $3 per month, you can get access to monthly bonus episodes, as well as other bonus stuff. So, if you have $3 a month to spare, consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash incaseyoumithedit. All one word, mythed spelled M-Y-T-H-E-D. This will help to ensure that the only ad you hear on this podcast is this one. Now back to the show. Laius, the true heir to the throne of Cadmus, spent these years in exile in the home of King Pelops, in the Peloponnese, the peninsula that was literally named after him. Now Pelops had an illegitimate son by the name of Chrysippus. Laius was said to have fallen in love with Chrysippus, and either kidnapped and sexually assaulted him, or just sexually assaulted him. Either way, we shall give this a... This, of course, caused some problems for Laius, as well as for Pelops and his two legitimate sons, Theestes and Atreus, to say nothing of Chrysippus himself. What precisely ensued is something that has numerous versions, but mostly they agree that all involved survive, except maybe Chrysippus. And Laius is called back to Thebes at a very opportune moment. That Atreus guy, though, I wonder what'll happen to him. Back in Thebes, Laius took up the mantle of king. He selected from among the available daughters of nobility a charming wife by the name of Jocasta, whom he made his queen. Now Laius appears to be the first king of Thebes to realize that the job is a pretty dangerous one, so he sought a prophecy from the famed oracle of Apollo at Delphi, asking how his reign should proceed. 
The prophecy of the oracle was, as ancient prophecies are wont to be, a warning. Specifically, it warned that Laius, if he had a son, would be killed by the boy, and his throne usurped. Laius was, somewhat understandably, frightened by this prophecy, and resolved that he would never have a child. This he would ensue by simply not impregnating Jocasta, and in general remaining celibate. He succeeded in this endeavor for a time. But one night, Laius imbibed that drink sacred to Dionysus, wine, and his mind was overcome by its effects. The result of this night was that Jocasta became pregnant. Nine months later, she gave birth to a healthy baby, a boy. Fearing that the prophecy of his own demise was taking shape before his very eyes, Laius resolved that his son would be exposed on Mount Cithiron, left to die by the will of the gods as infanticide was highly frowned upon. He had the child's feet tied, or staked to the ground depending on the telling, and left upon the mountain. But the gods work in strange ways. A shepherd happened to come across the boy, cold and injured but alive, and saved him. Now the shepherd did not have the means to raise the child, so he took him to his hometown of Corinth, and presented him to the king of that land, Polybus. Now this was a stroke of good luck, because Polybus and his wife, Pereboia, also called Merope, were without a child, and had wanted one desperately. They gladly took in this orphan, and raised it as their own son. They did not tell him of his painfully humble beginnings, raising him instead to believe that he was their own child, the Prince of Corinth. When the boy had arrived in the house of Polybus and Merope, his feet and ankles had been horribly swollen from the binding and or staking. They gave him a name, which meant, loosely translated, swollen foot. In Greek, this name was Oedipus. And I'm afraid I must leave you there, listeners, on the cusp of one of the great tragedies of Thebes, and indeed all of Greek mythology. We will pick up here in the next episode. So I bid you farewell. Until next time.